So the last few weeks, as we've been talking about this morning, we've been going through this sermon series called The Journey. And we've called it The Journey on purpose. One, because it is a journey, but also it continues our journey towards vitality, becoming a healthier and more missional church. And so three weeks ago, we began with the story of Pentecost, this amazing moment in the church when not only did the Holy Spirit come down and fill God's people, but 3,000 people were added to the church that day because they heard about Jesus. And we've talked about how this story is, is like a soundboard in, in a piano. And for those of you who know how a piano works, when you hit the key, it strikes a string. And if that's all that happened, you, you could have to stand with your ear next to it to hear it. But what happens is the string then lays against a soundboard, and when you strike the string, it reverberates on the soundboard, and the piano fills the whole room. And so we've been coming to the scriptures like a soundboard, coming to the story of Pentecost, hearing this amazing moment in the church as a way to begin talking about our amazing moments in church. And I've been so encouraged as I've heard from you as we've talked about our amazing moments, times when we've sensed God show up in the service, or in our lives, or when we're singing, or when we're listening to music. We've talked about amazing moments. Some of our greatest moments have been when we've joined together to work on God's project. Something bigger than ourselves, whether it's planting this church in the hall years ago, or building this church, or whether we're talking about uh, just doing things like having the Alpha group together. Things that we've joined together in. It's amazing when we hear the great things that God has done. But we've also been talking about two weeks ago then, we started talking about, well, what things do we love about our church right now? And it's been great to hear as you guys have talked about, well, we love getting together in small groups, sharing life together, studying God's word together, praying for one another. We love how welcoming this church feels. How when you come in and it just feels warm, people in the foyer laughing and talking and welcoming each other. We love how this church feels like family. Now, I realize it's not always perfect. I mean, there's sometimes when we, when we fall short as family. Sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we, we don't take care of each other well. But for the most part, I hear people saying, I know that I can rely on the people of this church family to come through for me. So we talk about things we love. Well, then last week we talked about, <clears throat> we heard from the parable that Jesus talked about, about the parable of the mustard seed. He talked about how God, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest of the seeds on earth, and yet it grows to become the largest of the garden plants. So big that even birds of the air can build their nests in its branches. And it's amazing to think about how God's kingdom starts so small. And so we started talking about if God gave us a handful of mustard seeds that would grow into the church that we dream of, what would, it, what would we see? What would happen here? And we saw some of those things just today talking about about more service in our community, about serving our community and growing God's kingdom here. We talked about gathering together in small groups. We talked about mentoring our youth. We talked about cultivating a place for artists to come and to share their gifts with us. It's amazing to hear the dreams that you have for this church. But I've also been realizing, too, that dreaming is risky. When we start saying, God, this is what I dream for our church, there's a risk involved in that. I mean, because it's exciting at first, right? You start thinking like, oh, can you imagine if this was like that? If, if, if this place was filled with all of our friends and neighbors, if we had to, to have people sitting in the foyer, if we were, can you imagine if our small group was so amazing, we cared for each other and we constantly showed up for each other. And then we start seeing the gap between what we dream and the way things are. And that can be scary. It can even be discouraging. 
Dreaming is a complicated thing. There's that moment of excitement when you start to dream, and then there's that moment or that twinge of reality when you think, man, how's that ever going to happen? How's this even possible? And so we start playing it safe. We start thinking, oh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Boy, I would, I would love for it, but I don't, want to, I don't even want to dream about it. I'm going to play it safe. I'm not going to dream. It's, it's too impossible. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you start asking, like fundamentally, we start asking that question, God, how do you provide in situations like this? God, how do you come through in these times? What does your provision look like? It's why I love the Word of God. It's why I love God's Word for us. Because God continues to speak to us. Rick, did I get it right? Do we... Twenty minutes and nineteen seconds. We've um, normally we read. I've, I've had to get to that place a few times, but uh, normally we read the scriptures. But um, this morning I've actually just um, been watching the the Bible on Netflix and watching the stories of Jesus. And I thought this morning I've, the story that God has been speaking to me of in the last few weeks is when Jesus feeds five thousand people with with five loaves and two fish. And how God provides in places where we look around and we say, no way, it's impossible. And yet God comes through. God comes through in Jesus. And so, Rick, do, is it, is, are we able to watch it? Or? Okay. So this week, you know, oftentimes we read it, you know, which is great for you auditory learners. But many of us are visual too, so um, just watch the clip. Think if you yes.
You can turn it off, Rick. Yeah, please. Rick was too into it. <laughs> so we see in this amazing clip how God provides. How God provides even in desert places. In places where common sense says, no way. No way. How is this possibly going to work out? And yet God provides abundantly. I mean, think about the desert. I mean, you saw the pictures of it. I mean, it's stone and rock. And they crest over the hill, and there's thousands of people there. How are they going to feed them? It's impossible. It's one of those situations where you think, like, this is not possible. And yet God provides. God comes through. It's amazing to see what God does there. I mean, it's amazing. God feeds, not only does he feed 5,000 people, but they are satisfied. 
they're filled and there's extra left over. And Mark, when he talks about the story, says that there were 12 baskets left over. Abundance of food after feeding 5,000 people, not including women and children. I mean, did you see the picture of how many people there were? And yet God provides. Now, I want you to hold this in your mind of how God provides, but I also want us to say that to, to take just a little bit of a sidetrack this morning and to hear what I think Mark wants us to hear and why Mark tells us this story. One, because it's amazing how God provides, but I think he also wants us to see some of who Jesus is. Now, there's much to the Bible, and many of you know this. There's the, the parts, the Gospels that tell about Jesus, but there's also lots of books that come before that even. There's a section called the Torah, a part of the book that many of the people of Israel listen to and read daily in Jesus' time. And there's a story also about thousands of people gathered together in a desert who are hungry and who are relying on God for food. And there was a great teacher, his name was Moses, and he divides them up into groups of 50 and 10. A lot like the story we hear or like we watched just a minute ago. There are these connections with this group gathering in the desert and God providing an abundance of food that connects with the stories of ancient Israel about their exodus, about their amazing journey out of Egypt, out of slavery, into their new homeland. Now for us, we think, oh, okay, that's an interesting connection, but in Jesus' time, that story was, was, was what the people identified with. It was the story that they oriented their whole life around. It gave them their identity of who they were. Moses was their greatest teacher, even though he had lived thousands of years before them or hundreds of years before them. They still, they still venerated him as their greatest teacher. And yet here's Jesus providing bread from heaven, miraculously, more than they could imagine, in the desert place. Moses talked about a prophet who would come after him. And for centuries, the people were waiting for a prophet who would be like Moses. And they began to realize that Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is not just another Moses. He actually is greater than Moses. I mean, you heard it in the, in the film there. I don't know if you recognize, but when they started to chant, they were saying, Mishaya, Mishaya. We say the word Messiah in English. You heard Peter say, they want you to be their king. They recognized Jesus bringing down these baskets of bread and fish, providing for thousands of people all at once. And they began to chant Messiah because they had been waiting for, dreaming of, hoping for Messiah to come to save them. But there's also this other interesting point that Mark tells us. And in your bulletins, you'll see that there's a, a bulletin insert. And it's at verse 34. And I've left mine on my chair. You can look in your Bibles if you want to, to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Verse 34, or if you want to, it's on this white sheet as well. And I've got it bolded there, right at verse 34. It said, When Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now it's interesting that Jesus, that Mark tells us, that he saw them and they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
There's a few places in the Old Testament where it talks about sheep without a shepherd. One of them is in Numbers 27. When Moses comes to the Lord, comes to the Lord, and he says, May the Lord, the God of all spirits of all the earth, appoint a man over the congregation that he may go out and come in before them, that he may lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep without a shepherd. So Moses, or so the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, Take Joshua, or his Hebrew name is Yeshua, take Yeshua, son of Nun. He was a man filled with the Spirit. Lay your hand on him. Bring him before the priest Eliezer and before the whole congregation and commit him, commission him in front of them. And then put some of your authority on him so that all of the congregation, all of the congregations of the sons of Israel will obey him. Now, this is subtle, I know, in English. But it's interesting for us to, to understand that, that we say Jesus and Joshua, but in Hebrew, the names are both Yeshua. In Hebrew, the way you pronounce them is Yeshua, that there's this connection with Jesus and Joshua, that Jesus is the new Joshua, in a sense, who takes over for Moses, who's the prophet greater than Moses. He is the Messiah who has come. It's no surprise to me that Jesus has compassion on them because he doesn't want them to be like a sheep without a shepherd. And it's interesting when you realize that the word Yeshua means salvation. That Jesus is salvation. The salvation for the people, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. So we begin to hear this story kind of through the lens of, of what those first people began to say. And so it's no surprise when all the bread comes down and they start chanting Messiah. Messiah. They recognize Jesus for who he is, the Messiah that they didn't understand. They were still expecting a Messiah who would be a great military leader who would, who would defeat the Romans and make their nation great. They weren't expecting a Messiah who would come, who would live among common people, who would heal the sick, who would eat with tax collectors, traitors, and prostitutes and sinners and talk with them about grace. They didn't expect a Messiah who would die on a cross, who would give up himself for the sake of his people who would die so that we could be made right with God. They weren't expecting a Messiah like this. And yet Jesus comes and he shows them through a meal. I mean, think about this. God shows them through a meal who he is. I mean, I'm, some of us who've been following Jesus for a while, think about another time when you've heard of, when you've heard of thousands of people gathered together with an abundance of food provided by God in the presence of a Messiah. Isaiah spoke of this meal. The prophet Isaiah, long before Jesus, he said, on this mountain, God will provide a banquet of the richest food that will be for all people. A banquet of, of the aged wines, the best meats and the finest of wines. One day in God's kingdom, we will eat this meal with our Lord Jesus. One day God's kingdom will be here and we will eat with God and there will be plenty for everyone and it will be an amazing time. Now I know we live in a culture where food, there's a lot to food to go around. There are a few of us who are hurting for food. But in that culture, to talk about a banquet, a banquet filled with, with joy 
It was like, it was their idea of heaven. Because of the plentiful food and because of the relationship with God. We see here that Jesus in this meal is giving us just a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like. Just a glimpse in the desert of how amazing it will be to be a part of God's kingdom, to be seated at his table, sharing meals together with thousands of our brothers and sisters. We get just a glimpse of the kingdom. So we hear through this story, we see that that Jesus provides a miraculous fish and miraculous loaves of bread, more than they can even eat for 5,000 people. But we also begin to see who Jesus is. Mark is telling us this story so we'll recognize who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. He's the Savior who we've been waiting for. Okay, so some of you think, okay, thanks Jason for the history and the Old Testament and the New and the connections you've made. How does this matter for us right now? How does this work out in my life right now? Well, I want, to hope, I want to help you see that God provides in amazing ways. God's provision is abundant, especially when it looks impossible. Those are precisely the places where God loves to come through, where God loves to show up and do amazing things. When it looks like it's impossible, when we start dreaming about our life or about church, or about what this church could be, and we think it's impossible. Those are exactly the places where God loves to show up. So that there's no mistaking of who's done it. God loves to make the impossible a reality. I mean, think about the disciples. I mean, we saw when they were talking to him, Jesus, send them away. This place is remote. It's deserted. They, we have no way to feed them. Send them away so they can at least go and find villages or homes to, to receive some food. Jesus says, you feed them. And they say, Lord, how can we? It's going to take us a year or half a year's worth of wages just to even begin feeding them. And Jesus says, how much food do you have? And they say, we've got five loaves and two fish, Jesus. What are we going to do with that? And God does the amazing. He does the miraculous and provides with abundance. God comes through for them. And I say this because I want to encourage us as a church that as we begin dreaming for our church, for God's kingdom to grow here, that God will come through for us. I believe that God desires to bless the dreams that he has given you for this church here in this community. And I know some of you are visiting. I believe that God may be stirring something up in you as well for the communities that you're going to return to. Because it's been amazing to hear from you what you desire and what you dream for this church. On Thursday, we were gathered together, like I said, and immediately the conversation began to orbit around, to, to, to swirl around, how can we bless our community? How can we serve our community? How can we see God's kingdom grow here in this community? We started talking about youth and how can we bless our youth? How about having a, a pastor maybe come? who could serve not only the youth of our church, but the youth of our community. And some of us are thinking, oh, how could we ever do that? God does amazing things. We started talking and dreaming about getting together in small groups, about sharing meals together, about living life together, about praying for one another, being involved in each other's lives, coming through for each other. How could we ever do that? We're so busy. 
God does amazing things. We even talked about uh, cultivating more culture, uh, the culture of the arts in our community, in our church here. To bless artists, to ask them, you know, express the gift that God has given you here, even in this building. We think, oh, how can we do this? And yet God provides. God provides abundantly. As I start thinking of these dreams that we were talking about on Thursday night, I'm encouraged. I'm excited. I want to be a part of what you are dreaming for this church. I want to join in what you are dreaming for this church. And I know it's risky. I know that dreams come with risk because sometimes dreams don't work out. And so we're afraid. We can be scared or we can say, like, I'm just going to play it safe because it seems too impossible. But I want to encourage you that we serve an amazing God who provides an abundance. An amazing God who provides an abundance through an amazing Messiah. An amazing Savior who has come to live and die and rise again for us. Now I know it's not safe. Nowhere does Jesus claim to be safe, but he is good. And we can trust him. As I start thinking about us dreaming for this church, or continuing to dream, and in the next few months, gathering together, meeting one-on-one, having this conversation about what do we dream for this church. I hear the words that Moses spoke to Joshua. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking them to us again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord of God will go with you wherever you go. Okay, so some of you are thinking, okay, I'm getting it. The, the part about God's provision, about this amazing Messiah. What are things that I can do this week? What can I do even this week to start living what you're talking about? This week I want you to do one thing. Just one thing. Find someone else in this church. And maybe if you're going home this week, maybe someone in your church, gather together with them. Have a cup of coffee together or have supper together and ask them, what do you dream for this church? And have that conversation about what you dream for the church. It's amazing what God has built into that conversation. How exciting it is to begin talking about that and to see what God brings out of those conversations. So I want you to do one thing this week. Connect with someone from the church, maybe over a cup of coffee, maybe over dinner, and ask them what do they dream for this church. Or if you go home this week, talk with someone in your church there and say, what do you dream for our church? Imagine the conversations that begin to happen. Imagine how exciting it is to have that conversation. Imagine as these dreams, as you begin to talk about them, you begin to see themes and common ideas happening, and you begin to build on them, and this movement begins to happen. This movement in a church begins. And you begin talking about it, and you begin to see the dreams become reality. And the joy that happens with that. The excitement of being a part of that. The sense of accomplishment, and being a part of something bigger than yourself. I mean, we've had times here in this church when we planted this church, when you built this church, when you had Alpha together, even now with the garden. There's a sense of accomplishment, of being something, part of something bigger than ourselves. I love it again, at the garden, seeing people who, are, who have just started joining the church out there serving and working with their tractors and, and, and planting food. I love to see what God is doing. 
So I want us to do one thing this week. Gather together and talk about what we dream. Because we serve a God of amazing provision who works and who provides to an amazing Messiah. Amen.